This is Meg Tilton at the 8 Cow Life, episode number 45, How to Stop the Mommy Wars. This is the 8 Cow Life, a place where LDS women, and really any woman, can come to learn how every aspect of their life is beautiful and has purpose. A place to help you realize how important you are, and that this place we call Earth just wouldn't be the same without you. So sit back and take a breather in that unfolded laundry, and let's chat for a moment about your amazing life. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast this week. Today is Memorial Day, and so my husband has off work, which is super fun. They actually, by the time I'm recording this, my older three and my husband went and ran a traditional Memorial Day race that our ward puts on with three two other wards and we're about ready to head out the door to go to the memorial day picnic and i have to say i have kind of a bad attitude about it it is super hot here in st louis and the last thing i want to do is go sit in the sun uh, and chase my two-year-old around i tried to convince everybody to stay home and that i would cook them an awesome meal and they weren't having it so I'm thinking maybe next year I'll try and throw my own party where maybe people will come over and can stay in the air-conditioned house. Anyway, um, so that's what we're doing today. I hope you guys have great plans for today yourselves and, um, and that you take this day to remember the people who have done so much for our country and sacrificed their lives in our behalf. So along those lines, today's podcast is entitled How to Stop the Mommy Wars. I have wanted to do this podcast for quite some time because I hear a lot about this on social media and just how women talk in general, and I think it's a really important topic to address. So I'm going to talk today about how we can maybe get over those and stop having so many quote unquote dead bodies strewn out in the mommy wars of women just feeling worse about themselves and feeling unsupported by other moms. Because I really feel like, man, if you're a mom, you should get support from every other mom because it's not an easy job and we're all doing the best that we know how. And that's really what's important. And our house may all look different and that's okay. So... When I was thinking about what to talk about with you today, I went back to this experience that I had when I was in college. I studied at Brigham Young University, and for one semester, I was able to go to the Jerusalem Center in Israel, and it was such an amazing, amazing experience. If you have not been to Israel and have not gone and visited the BYU Jerusalem Center, I highly recommend it and highly recommend that you put it on your bucket list. I know that that's kind of a place of unrest, but um, if you feel like it's a time for you to go, I totally do it. It is amazing. It is so much different than um, here in the States, and it's just an amazing cultural experience. Just a side note, if you ever want to go to Egypt and feel comfortable going there, oh my gosh, so amazing. It's probably one of my favorite places I've ever been. Just seeing like the pyramids and the Sphinx and like some of the modernness of Cairo and then the third worldness just right next to each other. It's fascinating to see. Anyway, so when I was at BYU, um, the Jerusalem Center is built in a way that it's kind of like a tiered effect into the side of a hill. 
and it kind of looks like a wedding cake because it's made out of white stones and it has like a step-like construction. And the thing that's so awesome about that construction of that building is that you can go out on any level and look out over the city with unobstructed views. And it's truly breathtaking. Like the room that I had, I shared with three other girls and we had a balcony and you could go out and you could just see everywhere and there was nothing obstructing your view. It was so gorgeous. Now, when we were in the Middle East, as uh, tends to be the case, there were some mild high tensions there and we did um, witness some political unrest and one day the tensions were a little bit higher in the city and so we were told that we had to stay in the center for our protection and really we were kind of lucky that only happened I think for two days or something and then I felt actually really really safe there. So in between classes on this day that we were staying in the center I went out on one of the center's balconies and I noticed a teenaged Palestinian boy down below on the street bound down below and he was picking up rocks off the road and he was hurling them at an Israeli soldier. And then I witnessed this soldier fire a gun back at this boy and he struck him in the thigh. And it was the first time I had ever seen someone get shot in person and I hope it's the last time. And it was kind of a surreal experience. And I was not the only one that witnessed that. And so it generated a lot of discussion in the center that day. In fact, I believe I remember I was standing next to our Arab professor. He was native. He was a Palestinian. And um, when that happened and he just kind of like shrugged his shoulders and disgust and just didn't really know. I'm sure he had a lot of opinions on that. So But what I want to focus on today for this podcast is I want you to ask yourself a question about this. If you were to take this micro example of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict and relate it to the larger ongoing fighting between these two groups, who started the war? I want you to ask yourself that question. In this, in this example that I gave you between the Palestinian teenage boy and the Israeli, was the war started when the boy threw the rocks or was it started when the soldier fired his gun? I'll give you a minute to think about that. So was it when the, the, the boy threw the rocks, is that when the war started or when the soldier fired his gun? Now, if you said the boy, I can understand that. There was no exchange between these two until he threw first. But was that really the start of the war? And so for today's podcast, I'm going to say no, that wasn't. I believe the war started when the soldier retaliated and fired a rubber bullet back. Both then had engaged in the the other in a violent act, right? So one was throwing rocks and the other could have walked away, and that would have been the end of it, but he fired back, right? So now they had both engaged in violence towards one another. So all too often I see this going on in the land of what many have come to call the mommy wars. An issue or topic will be raised that is seemingly innocent, and then like the Palestinian boy, Mommy A will launch a rock at the person who stated it. This then tends to get mommy B all fired up 
and she, like the Israeli soldier, then hurls a similar or greater charge response back at Mommy A, and we are off to the races. I see this so much on social media. So today, I want to address Mommy B, the Israeli soldier, if you will. The mommy that feels she needs to protect herself or her children from Mommy A's perceived cruel statements. I understand that many will think that she should have every right to attack back since she was attacked first, and I'm not here to say she doesn't. But I am here to bring you back to that question I just asked. When does the war really start? What would happen if Mommy B never hurled a hurtful response back? Would the statement made by Mommy A really continue to hurt her? Recently, I have found myself thinking of the, of the childhood nursery rhyme, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I see far too many moms being hurt by words and thinking the appropriate response is to hurl another set of cruel words back. If you find yourself in mon- Mommy B's position, Can I offer some alternative solutions that I think will help not only you, but help put an end to the mommy wars all together? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome to just stop the mommy wars? So here we go. Here are some things that I suggest. If you feel like you're mommy B, if you feel like you're that Israeli soldier who was attacked by rocks, here's some things that I think you can do to make the conflict go away. One, welcome that not everyone is going to agree with you. When we put ourselves out there, either on social media or in a group of friends, we should never expect that everyone is going to see things the same way we see them. Just because someone may disagree with us or not hold the same perspective is actually a really good thing. It's what allows us to develop empathy and understanding. When we truly take the time to listen and try to understand another's viewpoint is when the barriers come down and change is made. I can't tell you how many times I have been in a situation where I thought that something was one way. And then as I sat there and I listened to somebody, I was like, oh, I didn't know that piece of information. That would have been really helpful because it would have helped me have a different perspective. So this is where we have to realize that maybe people don't agree with us for a good reason. Maybe they have experiences and life events that have happened to them that give them a different perspective that we're not privy to unless we really listen to them and are willing to take their story into consideration and integrate it into our own thoughts and beliefs. This is something that my husband does really, really well. He often, I'll say, this is what happened. Like, this is exactly what happened. And I'm like, and then he'll bring in a different perspective. And I'm like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And so it kind of diffuses all of my anger or frustration and just really gets rid of it. So really be willing to have somebody disagree with you and be okay with that and welcome it in your life, especially when it comes to mothering. Because let me tell you, I would love all the advice I can get. And older women that are older than me and have mothered longer than me have great insight. And they may say, no, I disagree with you because look at this is what happened in my life. And I'm like, oh, 
oh, I get it now. Okay, number two, be willing to apologize first. So if you find yourself in a position where someone else is hurt by what you did, even if it was not meant in that way, apologize. It's the fastest way to take the energy out of any argument. Think of a time someone has done this for you. So many times I have found myself annoyed at my husband about something he has innocently done that has either hurt my feelings or irritated me. And when I confront him about it, instead of getting mad at me, he apologizes. It takes the wind right out of my sails and resolves the potential conflict in seconds. It's amazing what an apology can do. And I know a lot of you are saying, but I wasn't wrong. Who cares? Who cares if you're not wrong? That's okay. It doesn't mean you can't apologize. What is the harm in apologizing? It doesn't mean that you're admitting that what they did or what they said was right or what they think is right. You're just apologizing. That's all it is. And to other people, that means, oh, you heard me. And it takes everything right out. So be willing to, be, to apologize. Number three, stop thinking you know your children's emotions. So I see moms get upset because they feel like someone has said something against their child. But guess what? Most of the time your child didn't hear what was said, so you don't need to defend them. And if they did hear it, don't assume they feel the same way about it as you do. We often claim the valor of being a quote unquote mama bear. We think we are protecting our children's feelings when really we are only protecting our own. Also, our children feed off of our emotions a lot. We teach them what is a big deal and what isn't. If we don't let what others say about them bother us, then they will most likely not let them bother them either. This is huge. We jump in a lot of times, I think, as moms to try and quote unquote, protect our children. And I want you to really ask yourself, are you really protecting your child or are you protecting yourself? Because did you ask your children, hey, how did that make you feel? Sometimes you may, but a lot of times I think that you will get carried away and think that your emotions are the same as your children's. And I think our children have a great ability to just kind of blow things off. Like they're like, Ugh. and now don't get me wrong. I have children who do get up, upset about what people think or what they say to them, but I always turn it back on them. I'm like, why are you letting them control you that way? And I really try and not let their emotions dictate my emotions. And so we should do the same in reverse, right? We should not let our emotions dictate our children's. That's just a fundamental thing. I think we need to like take down the mama bear thing. There's very few things in life that I think we actually need to be mama bears about. Very few. I can maybe count on one hand in my life when I've needed to do that for my kids. So just be really careful of that. Number four, realize it's a person on the other end of that hurtful statement. Far too often, we like to take the humanness out of life. We can get so caught up in our emotions and how things are affecting us that we forget that while people may not always show up their best selves, they are still people. And we need to always try and remember that. Just because someone may have forgotten your humanness doesn't mean that you should forget theirs. 
Just because you were hurt doesn't mean you get to hurt back. I have come to really believe the statement, hurt people hurt people. Stop the war by focusing on stopping your hurt. This is really important. We think that in order to stop our hurt, we have to hurt somebody else more. I see this a lot. It's actually kind of human nature. It's what we do and we our primitive brain thinks that, you know, in order to kill that tiger, right, who's hurting us, we have to hurt it. But that's not how most things in today's world work. Hurting other people does not allow us to stop hurting, right? It just creates more hurt in the world. So less people will go down. If you're focused more on healing your hurt than retaliating and hurling more hurt to somebody else. Okay. Number five, you are the one in control. This is a perfect example, I think, that my children kind of play out that I see on a much larger scale with moms when they kind of war in this way. So my children tend to get into disagreements a lot. And on a daily basis, there are unkind words thrown back and forth and all too often even physical blows exchanged. But guess who's the one who always gets in the most trouble? The one who retaliates from the initial assault. This is because Dr. Tilton and I have asked them to always come and talk to us first and to not fight back. Now, I'm not a mom that doesn't think that on some occasions a swift retaliatory kick in the shins wouldn't do some bully kids some good. What I'm trying to teach my children is that others can't make you mad. They can't make you feel inferior. They can't determine if what you are doing is right or wrong. You are the one who gets to decide how you feel, and your retaliating is not going to make the way that they think change, nor is it going to change things for you. I find it disturbing to see grown women act like my children in the insults they are willing to throw at each other, and I largely feel it is Mommy B, that Israeli soldier, who is the one who needs the reigning in. You need to stay in control. Just like my kids, if their siblings don't retaliate to their pestering or hitting, the instigator gets bored and moves on. So the same is, sh- is true in the mommy wars. If somebody hurls something at you and you don't say anything back, there's nothing to keep going. It falls on dead ground and they'll get bored and they'll walk away. But the minute you hurl back, well, game on, sister, right? And then there's all this bantering back and forth. And we can really diffuse something really quickly by just letting it fall and not feeling like we have to retaliate. And then it doesn't mushroom and become out of control. So stay in control of yourself, right? Stay in control of your emotions. That's so important. Remember that you are still human. They are still human. Act like a decent human being. So in the end, to stop the mommy wars, you have to realize the role you play in their creation. And if you want to stop them, you have to stop yourself from adding to the fight. Try it out. I promise you that you will be shocked by the results you see in yourself. Peace and calm will have a better chance of being your constant companions instead of hate, frustration, 
and a lack of control. Because I think in my own life, it's when I feel like I have had to retaliate and fight back that then I don't feel in control. I feel like then I'm giving that control over to somebody else to make me feel a certain way. And that is not a position any of us should want to be in or that's healthy to be in. If you really want to end the mommy roles, take your control back, be in charge of your own emotions, remember that other people are human, (laughs) and be able to just love other people. That's your only job, right? I'm going to come back to that all the time because as I get older and as I realize and go through life, our only job is to love people. And when I have the hardest time loving other people, it's because I forget that they're human, that they are worthy of my love. And that even means that somebody who says something super unkind is worthy of my love and is worthy of me showing up as the best version of myself. Okay, go have a great day. Have a great week. And I will talk to you next week. Next week's a new month. And I have decided not to go with a a set topic for the month. I'm just going to do whatever is on my mind. And I'm super excited about that. So I will talk to you then. Until then, I hope you have a great week and enjoy beautiful weather wherever you are. Bye-bye.